Anderson, the life that he lives, he lives for the kingdom. He lives out of his heart. He lives in sincerity. He uses his time. He uses his resources to build up the kingdom, to build people up, because we are the kingdom, right? We're the family of God, and to reach the lost. This man is doing it, and he's seen a lot of fruit. And I am privileged to call him a spiritual father, a mentor in my life, and I'm excited to see what God has put on his heart and what is going to be released. So let's pray for Paul as he comes up. Father, we just thank you for Paul, our spiritual father. God, I thank you for 69 years of faithfulness, just saying yes to you, yes to your kingdom. When so many people would retire and just live for pleasure and ease, this man is giving everything to you. And I thank you for the burden you've placed in his heart, the burden for the harvest, the burden for eternity, the, the burden for loss and broken souls. And I pray for your heart to be released through his heart, your passion Release her as passion that sees it be sown in our hearts so it bear much fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I want to lead in a song that talks about the harvest. So you got to do the motions. Get your, get your hands up. You've sung it before. It goes like this. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. I can push it out. I'm gonna let it shine. Won't let Satan it out. I'm gonna let it shine. Won't let Satan it out. I'm gonna let it shine. Let it. Let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm gonna let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm gonna let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Where are you gonna let it shine? Let it shine. Northwestern College. Okay. I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine in Minneapolis. I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine in my family. I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. And how long are you gonna do it? Forever. Let it shine. Think about it. Jesus comes. I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm gonna let it shine. Let it 
it shine till Jesus comes. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. I should have brought sunglasses because it's so shiny in here, Paul. Yes, you should have, Bob. Bob, we like you. We like you a lot. We really like you, Bob. Okay. Have enough to, to share for sure. Don't have enough for everybody to have one. We've got about 60 of them, so that'll be enough for everybody to at least look. Okay, okay. Hey, I'm Paul. For you new ones, hi. I live here. I have, thank you. I feel your love. I have six kids and one wife, and we have a, have a dog that hangs out here. Doesn't belong to, belongs to Israel. Hey, we always welcome people back when they after they get married. I want to welcome Israel and Johanna. Come on. Yes, indeedy. So, this guy Jerry is relating a story how their West African ministry partners were having their midday prayers when they suddenly were surrounded by Muslim leaders. The team had been seeing breathtaking breakthroughs among the highly resistant Muslim people. So they had anticipated some opposition. They had reason to be fearful but kept praying. Surprisingly, the Muslims just stood around them, observing the proceedings and making no signs of hostile intentions. When the Christian leaders finished praying, just got this today, the group approached and turned out to be a delegation of Muslim civic leaders from a distant region. They had come with their imam, uh, a leader in a Muslim tribe, And with a request, they said, we have not come to harm you, but we beg you, could you please send us the storytellers? They meant the Christian workers who were making disciples by telling stories. The Muslim leaders from this community had observed other communities in their area that had become Christian, and they had noticed a dramatic change in people's lives. They wanted the same thing in their community. It's happening all over the world, especially as you go south and as you go east. There's a powerful harvest taking place. By far, by far, far, Christianity is fastest growing religion, if you want to call it a religion. It is uh, way beyond anything that comes in second place. And there are incredible things happening in many nations in the world. You think of China. Do you know how many are coming to know the Lord every day? 
30,000 every day. What a harvest. And astounding things happening in India, in uh, some of the countries in South America and Africa, like Nigeria, is exploding. They're having meetings of a million or more people. Imagine gathering together. This is not fantasy, what I'm sharing with you. This is fact. There's a powerful harvest going on. And we hear that's our name. We're called the Harvest Communities. We have a harvest project. And so we want to be involved in the harvest. Right? Do I hear an amen? amen. Now, that can, that can create a variety of emotions in us. Even as I say that, some of us get a little nervous, right? Oh. So I want to talk about following Jesus into the harvest. Not going to be a long message. It's going to be a fairly short message because then I want to do some praying and I want to introduce some people to share a couple of things about the harvest. So uh, if you have Bibles, open it up to Matthew chapter 9. We're just going to go verse by verse. Beginning with verse 35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness. Now, I want you to just look at that verse and see if there are things that you observe there. Matthew 9, beginning with verse 35. What does it include? They go, and as they go, what did he do? He taught, he preached, and he healed. (laughs) That's important for us because some of us are better at talking than others. Some of us are better at doing stuff and doing works. And we need both. Jesus did both. It wasn't simply word. It was work. How many of you better are better at word than works? Raise your hand if, if you're probably better at word. How many are better at doing works and, and speaking the word? Okay. Think of the Good Samaritan. Jesus said, go and what? Do likewise. It wasn't the words that he spoke. It was what he did. Let your light so shine before men that they may see. Sometimes they need, they need to see it before they hear it. I was speaking to some people that were uh, at Moundsview High School where my, uh, a couple of my kids went. They were from India. And I said, uh, what's your background? And they were had a Hindu uh, background. And they said, but... We know it was Christians who built our nation. They said Christians came in and they built hospitals. The best schools were the ones that the Christians built. 
If we can do the works and speak the words, that's powerful. We want to fly with both wings. And if you're more equipped at this point to do the works, do the works. You know, if you can pray better and you can talk to somebody else, if you can pray to God better, you can talk to people. Start there, but start somewhere. And maybe walking across the street and giving a new neighbor some cookies. That's a wonderful work. What works do you have residing in you that could compel you into the harvest to at least get you moving? Jesus said, follow me and I, what? I will make you. So Jesus is able to make you a fisher of men. Do you want to be a fisher of men? Would you like to, would you like to be fishing and bringing in fish, bringing in people? I want to. I want to do it much more than I'm doing now. So I want to follow Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm following you into the harvest because you're a harvester. He harvested on the cross, for goodness sakes. He harvested when he was heading to the cross and he had one thing on his mind, but then God slowed him down so he could stop and minister to Zacchaeus, so he could stop and minister to blind men. He was in Jericho last turn. That was the last time you'd be in that town. If you didn't cry out to him now, that was it for you. One blind man out of a crowd cried out to Jesus, and Jesus harvested him. I want to be involved in the harvest in my daily life. And so I read about this, and I say, you know, there are works to be done, and there are words to be spoken. And if, if you stutter when you're thinking about sharing words, then start with the works. Let your light shine. Let them see it. And then they're going to ask you that they may see your good works. And what are they going to do? Something happens there. Something happens. They glorify your father. They're, they're now worshiping God. They saw something and it convinced them. These Muslims saw something and they wanted it. They saw something happening. Okay. Number two. We are motivated by compassion. Listen to this. When he saw the crowds, now think, think about what do you do when you see crowds? You see crowds that go into a sporting event. You see crowds when you go shopping. What does that bring out in you? Think about it. Sometimes it brings out irritation, doesn't it? Oh, man. Because crowds can be stifling. They can be irritating. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion. Look at the word compassion. It's a composite of kum and passion. Passion comes from the word pathos, which is a word for suffering. Compassion means that you can suffer with people. That's literally what it means. So he is suffering with these people. Why? When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. It made him suffer. And they need a leader. They need somebody that'll, that'll, that'll take them to places they need to go, not these who were eating off them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Here is the shepherd. Here is the good shepherd. And it's saying, my, they need a shepherd. They need people who are going to lead them. So, Evangelism, let's face it, does weird things to some people, right? 
you start talking about evangelism and you get some weirdos who start doing some weird things. And it's almost like some of them are angry at people. No. No, even if we need to speak words of judgment, which the times come, those times come. And it was a word of judgment to my friend in Porto Alegre that turned him around when this guy, this evangelist, said to him, you quit carrying your Bible because I don't want you to drag that to hell with you. And that got his attention. He was a pastor's kid, but not living the life. And that turned him around. Hal Lindsey, who wrote Late Great Planet Earth, he was, he was on a, a riverboat. He was a riverboat pilot. And a man said to him, you have nothing to look forward to but the wrath of God. Now, you know how he said that? He said it in love. And it got his attention. What are you motivated by? I want to be motivated by love. I don't want to be motivated by guilt, you know, shame. Paul's telling us we've got to go to the harvest. Let's go. No, don't, don't go. I want to be captured by love. By the lost people do not have a good future. So, Father, would you cause love to spring up among us? I pray that in this group here, that, that where we are, that where we spend our time, where we work, where we connect, they're not all following Jesus at Northwestern, are they? No. They're not all following Jesus at the U, at your place of work. Let love begin to motivate you. And it may start with, with simply praying for them. But you pray, Jesus, I want to go into the harvest. I want to go where you're taking me. Wouldn't that be something if because you were not a thermometer, but you're really a thermostat, you change the environment in your workplace by your prayers and by your concern for lost people. I went to get bread today. There's a bread ministry, and they give us free bread. And I was approached by this really short lady. I think she may have been Filipino. She said, do you remember me? And I remembered her face, didn't remember her name was Toss. And uh, she said, I'm just so thankful. I'm just so full of the love of God, the love of Christ. I'm working at this rest home, and I'm just loving people. I'm loving them. I love to love. And God has given me so much. He's poured on. Hasn't he? He's poured it on. She's just talking like this so naturally. And I could just see her at this uh, rest home bringing love to people. And she said, they're coming to Jesus. They're coming to me and they're coming to Jesus. And she, she's, I don't know how much she knows, but as I left that place, I said, she knows enough to be brilliant in God. She just, she was so loving. She just naturally poured her love out on, onto me. If you meet her, you'll know. Man, she's a dynamo. I could see her winning a whole rest home to Jesus simply by love. She, she wasn't, she, she wasn't feel, she wasn't feeling a, a compelling of any shame. There's no shame that came out of her words. There's no sense of guilt. Well, I've got to do this. I better get a message in. She was just, Compelled by love. So, amen to that.
third harvest time creates a sense of urgency. Listen, Jesus, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You know, one thing I really don't like to do, I, I hate to do it, throwing away spoiled food. If you know me, you know that that's not my favorite thing to do. We had some peaches. A lot of them spoiled. We had to throw that batch away. That was not fun. What a waste not to get those peaches eaten before they got spoiled. Do you know that there are people dying today that had they been encountered by a Christian, they would have spent their eternity in heaven. If that doesn't impact you, check your pulse. There's ripe fruit that is falling off the trees. And it's rotten. And it's dying. And it's tossed into the garbage. And so Jesus has this sense of urgency. The harvest is plentiful. Where is it plentiful? It's plentiful in the Twin Cities. Isn't it? It's plentiful here. We just say, Jesus, lead us to the places where they're most ripe, where they're most ready. And then don't get nervous. Maybe, maybe it's going to start with a hug. Maybe it's going to start with a, just inviting them to communitas. We've had people come because they were invited, right? Anybody here came because somebody just invited you? You didn't, hardly, you didn't even know them. And the, 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 okay, look at it. There are hands around here. We, we had somebody that came. We were at a restaurant, Karen and I, uh, a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago. We invited somebody. They came. So you never know. One walk across the street or one word at a gas station. I've got a lot of gas station testimonies. I'm pumping gas, so I have some time. So I say, hey, somebody pumping gas over here. Hey, I'm just pumping gas. I'm a little crazy. I pray for people (laughs) while I pump gas. Can I pray for you? And that opens something up. They're, they're, they're willing to, oh, yeah. Well, a guy just recently said, would you pray for my uh, two children? I said, what are their names? They gave him the names. And he's, I said, what's your name? Stephen. Stephen, you know what that means? He said, no. I told him, told him what it meant. And then as I got ready to pray, he said, I am a Christian. And so I got to pray for his children because they weren't where he was at. So just a, a little kind of a silly little thing and you know I don't try to be spiritual I pray for people you say I'm a little on the crazy side and I that's what I do when I pump gas or afterwards so so and it didn't stop there then I went inside and I got to got to share with the people in as well now that may not be you maybe you'll do it different maybe you'll wash his car you know, know, or pass out water at a at a marathon or something to to say to people, I care about you. There's a there's there's a an urgency. Timing is everything in the harvest, right? You you don't when it's harvest time. Come here, would you, Margaret? Margaret is my mother-in-law, and she's she has lived through. Harvest time. Okay. What do you 
when the, when the harvest comes, what's the feeling? What's, what's, what's going on during harvest time? It's excitement because you expect to see some result of what you do. So you're waiting, wondering, expectantly. And what did, what did you do when you were a girl? Did, did, who got involved in the harvest? Oh, I grew up on a farm. That's what he means. What did I what did I do? Waited. We waited for the harvest. We really prayed for good weather. We prayed for uh, good crops. We prayed, prayed a lot, <laughs> and expected a, a harvest because we believed God was hearing our prayers. We were looking expectantly. Did you do anything when the harvest came when you were a girl, or did you just watch it? I drove the tractor, and I did. <laughs> oh, you want to really know? <laughs> I want to know. I did. I shocked oats, and I mean that was a long time ago, and girls did things like that. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, girls! (laughs) I don't know. Maybe they do more now. Anyway, I better be. I better stop while the stopping's good. No, you're doing good. You're doing good. You told me that when you were too young to work in the harvest, that you brought meals out in the cornfields to the harvesters. That's right. Right? I did that. I guess that wasn't as much fun as as the stuff I was talking about, but it was important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was important. And you also said that when harvest comes, everybody gets involved. Didn't you say that Absolutely. the neighbors, that, that everybody kind of joins in? Absolutely, everybody. Everybody works toward one common goal. That's to get the harvest in while the, you know, the crops are ripe and the weather's good, might rain, might... Well, the whole everything, the timing is everything. So everybody Whoa. gets behind. And if you're taking notes, put that down. And everybody works together. Nobody works just for themselves. Doesn't they that sound together. fun? Doesn't that sound to fun? Bring in the harvest. Let's for all do the it good together. of everybody. Yeah. Not just for one person, but for everybody. Everybody works together. Yeah. One common goal. And you worked in a harvest, you and your husband. They're leaving next Monday. And they've been with us now for this summer. So we want to we bless them because they know about being in the harvest. He, 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 fought, he fought with a gun. Uh, he went to Iwo Jima, and he was blasted by a, a, a mine and uh, got uh, blown quite a ways. And he still has shrapnel left in him from that experience. But then he goes back. To these people, your en- were they your enemies? We get even with them. Oh. <laughs> you know, that uh, became a, just a wonderful chance, an opportunity uh, to uh, share something that they, they did not even suspect. Uh, and, and here we got a chance to... Give it out. Oh, man. Yeah. But tell what you did even before when they were the prisoners and they were behind bars and you went over and you did a uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Iwo Jima, if you've seen a little map or something, it's shaped, shaped like a, uh ice cream cone. Uh, and uh, the area that I was serving was down on the bottom and so from this side to that side was mm, about a mile. And, and uh, 
yeah, one day I got some time off, and and I took off for a little thing that I wanted to do. It was actually to look up, make connections with a guy who lived with me right here in Minneapolis area. Finally got over there, looked him up, find him, and we were walking along, and it got a view. What in it? I didn't even get a chance to, to ask him about it. But I saw this, uh, you know, circle is about, uh, uh, about 12 feet across and so on, but it's made of uh, wire, barbed wire. You don't want to touch that stuff. Okay? And it was a big circle around the kitchen, and about three guys were in that little prison. And man, I left my buddy down the hill and ran and got there and I don't know what I'll say because they don't know English and I didn't know how to speak Japanese at that time well I just grabbed my wallet flipped it open pulled out some of those pictures you know my, my loved ones friends and so on and I, I just pointing at them you know and, and I'm, I'm real close with my friends here you know this and, and you know what I ooh I love them yeah yeah I love them you know they caught that no words and here they were bug eyed and going woo. Oh, and all of a sudden, I saw them grabbing for their billfolds or wherever they were keeping their pictures and flipping out and showing me. Yeah, <laughs> these are the people I love. Yeah, yeah. I wish they were with me. I wish I was with them. You know? And it stopped. The so-called words had shared the message. You see, I didn't hear any words. No, you didn't. All you had to do was see them. They see our pictures. And this picture is bigger than anyone I carry around. What's it saying? To them it was saying, oh, he's got a love for these people. And apparently they love him. Oh, I see something goes on with him. And then they were showing me their picture. I thought, wow. I, 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 I went back from that experience. I, I, just, I just could hardly, hardly imagine it. So, so I got back to my group on the other side of uh, Iwo Jima over here, only a mile away. There and got back there, and I told my buddies, "Wow, did I have an experience? I meant, I, I meant Japanese, who normally I thought hated me. I don't know about our relationship and that from their side, but I knew they lo- knew how to love people." And they showed me that, and it was just about like mine. 
idol. Yeah, what did they tell? What did the guys tell you? What did the other soldiers say? Behind the no, the, the, the Americans. Pardon me. Uh, you can get your scrub brush out and clean it up a little bit, but they were as much as saying, "You did what? Huh? <laughs> Didn't catch it a bit." And I thought, wow, how how do you share the inner stuff of the most sacred that you know of? In a sense, you can't use words. Pardon me. That just doesn't work. If you do use words, you better have something else with it. Underneath it, behind it, power that breaks that stuff up. And then they will see, oh yeah, I see you've got that special stuff. It's called love. Put your hands out. Bless them. (laughs) They've been doing this for a lot of years. (laughs) 89 and 88 and going strong. Thank you, Father. We thank you for Grandpa and Grandma, mm. Phil and Margaret. Mm. We thank you that they know about the love of God, that they've yeah. experienced it, they live in the joy of it, and yeah. they want to share it yeah. with others yeah. in every way they can. Thank you. Lord. Thank you that they uh, mm. were not engulfed in anger or uh-huh. in bitterness toward Japanese, but no. on the contrary, they mm-hmm. went back out of great love for mm-hmm. you and for them. And we bless mm-hmm. the fruit of their labor. Mm-hmm. We bless their children, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren. We yeah. bless the generations of righteousness. Thank you, Lord. they took a stand for Jesus. And we bless Please them as they name. leave us in a few days yeah. go back to California. Yeah. Thank you for their witness to yeah. the gospel of Jesus Christ Praise in word name. and in deed. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. So, Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, the labors are few. So, how does he deal with this problem? What is his solution to the problem of few labors? Interesting. Next verse. What's his solution? It's not to go. It's right there in verse 38. What's the solution? Why does he say that? Think about it now. What happens when you start praying for something? What happened to Nehemiah when he heard about the problems in Jerusalem He started praying for it. He prayed for four months. Something during that time happened to him, and a concern became a burden. I wonder if God gives you something to pray for with regard to the harvest. Maybe it's Somalis. Maybe it's the Korean people. Maybe it's the university people. Maybe it's unwed mothers. Maybe it's broken marriages. And you start praying for that. 
Look out. God may change your heart. God may turn a, a, a concern into a burden that eventuates in your being sent forth. Because that's the second thing. First of all, it's to pray. That's why 6.30 is an important time for us. It's an increasingly important time. I'd sure encourage you to consider coming at 6.30. I know some of you can't make it, but if you can, I'd encourage you. I think that's going to be the center of these ministries, what happens there at that 6.30 time. As we beseech the Lord of the harvest, God, do something for the Somali people in the Twin Cities. Would you work with the Korean people and those who have come over here and now have joined gangs? Think that that's the American scene. Would you break our heart, Father, for Muslims who are so caught entrapped in a religion of hate and need to be liberated to the freedom of the gospel? And we just lift up our prayers toward heaven. And as we do something, begins to happen in our heart. It's going to happen in you, won't it, as you pray. What are you going to start praying for? Are you going to pray for universities? You know, we got all over the Twin Cities. And they're captured by a political idealism that is anti-God. They need to be set free by the truth. So I pray that God gives us a spirit of prayer in these days. Gives it to me. Gives it to you. Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest. Just Let's start asking him. Let's just stop for a moment right now. Different ones of you. Speak out. Prayers. Let's pray him to the Lord of the harvest. I've, I've taught you to pray to the Father. Right now we're praying to Jesus. He's the Lord of the harvest. And let's just say Jesus. And then... Pray something that we can join in with and say amen to. Jesus, we pray for those who are in the valley of decision right now, Lord. We ask that you will assist them uh, as they're thinking of, of taking on and, and carrying that cross that you have that you proposed for us, Lord. Mm-hmm. Lord, we ask that you will just send pillars of light and salt into their life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lord, that you will be their cornerstone as you said you would be. Mm-hmm. Thank you for fulfilling your word to their lives. Lord. <coughs> yes. People in the valley of decision. Yes, Lord. We pray for them. Father God, I just pray that you would help us stay strong um, to our convictions and whatever is mm-hmm. on our hearts. Mm-hmm. And that you help us just be, like I said, be strong and go out and do whatever it is that you would like us to do, Father God, yeah. um, with strength and boldness and no fear because, again, Give us the spirit of prayer in these days, Lord Jesus, Lord of the harvest. Teach us about the harvest by talking with you about it. Touch our heart. Change our desires. Change our motivation. I'm just going to ask you a question. 
some of us have, have been motivated by fear or by guilt or by shame as we think about the harvest. And I want to pray that that will be lifted. So just raise your hand if you know that there's a, at least a part of you that your motivation has been mixed. And it's been hard to have a, just a pure motivation of love. Raise your hand if, if that's you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray that God will purify our motives that, that we will have pure motives of love. I'm raising my hand along with you. Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus had and has pure motives. He was compelled by love. The Apostle Paul said, the love of Christ constrains us. It compels us. For one died for all, therefore all have died. He died. So he was compelled. Paul was compelled by love. Jesus, we want that to be the compelling force of our witness. And so I pray against any fear that comes upon us. I pray against the shame that so cripples us. I pray against the guilt that may cause us to go, but go and, and treat people not as human beings, but as objects, as people that we're going to witness to. We pray for that compelling force of love and bind our hearts together. Give us a sense that we're in this harvest together, just like Margaret talked about, the joy of uniting together in the harvest. Amen. One more, one more point here. <clears throat> the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. If you know me, you know I like to work. I like the word work. I like the word workers. It's used twice here. Ask the Lord of a harvest to send out workers. That's what we are. We're going to go work the harvest. Some of us are going to do it one way. Some of us are going to do it another way. Some of us are going to be speaking more. Others are going to be baking bread or, or uh, writing things or doing dramas or, or singing a song, playing an instrument. We're workers. And what can you do in the harvest? Let's be as creative as we can be. When God send us forth, there's a lot of things that need to get done. Margaret said there's so many. All the neighbors gathered together. And different ones did what they could. You know, I can't do what I can't do, but I can do what I can. Jesus said about the woman who poured ointment over him, she has done what she could. Jesus is not telling us to do what we can't do. He's saying, do what you can. I'll do the rest. You follow me. You follow me into the harvest, and I'll do the rest. So what we're doing is we're praying that the Lord will give vision to people about different aspects of the harvest. We'd like you to be praying because either we want you to join those who have vision in a small group that will be missional, missionary-minded at the core. We'll do the typical small group things of accountability to one another and Scripture. But right at the focus, at the center of it, will be a desire to reach out into the harvest. 
And so I'm going to just have uh, one or two people share. Brandon, as he has been uh, praying about this, he's got a particular vision of the harvest. So, Brandon, share that with you. Uh, something that, that Paul just said stirred my heart. Um, talking about yeah, Paul in First Corinthians, uh, Second Corinthians, talking about the the love of of Christ compels him. Him, he was talking about how it um, that they know this that that one man has died, therefore all have died. And um, been in a part of a Bible study. We've been talking about the resurrection, and it's something that God's been teaching me, and I've been thinking a lot about. Um, as I've been praying about this vision um, that God is giving me for for the harvest, is is the, the how offensive and how um, life giving the reality of the resurrection is um, in, in my own life. Like Jesus, uh, when especially when I was younger, was this this idea? Um, God was a set of things that I knew, um, but but it, he wasn't a, he wasn't a person. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Um, brothers and sisters, he was raised from the dead. He he lives now. He sits um, on a throne in heaven next to his uh, next to our Father. Um, he's alive. He's 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 real. Um, and and the reality of God has has been has been hitting me, hitting hitting home. And 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 so as I've been out um, yesterday, uh, my brothers and I we have we have seven guys now in a house in Dinky Town. We just moved there yesterday, completed our move. And and for me, since I since before I was a young adult, I was still in high school. Um, I've had a had a desire to to reach college age people. Um, I, I worked at a Bible camp, so I was working with a bunch of college age people, and it was my heart to take care of them to, uh, in a time of transition and to love them. And um, and so beginning of the summer, I was looking for houses there. We were going to move, and it, it 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 just didn't feel like things were working out. And it was something I had to lay down and kind of accept that God, this may be a dream or a vision for for later on in life. I was reading Paul's book about dreaming, and that gave me peace to say, hey, this might be something that isn't isn't for right now. And um, but as the summer came back around, things changed really fast. In fact, in fact, God flipped over my entire circumstances. Things I thought were set flipped, and um, we were going to live up here in Roseville. And all of a sudden, uh, my roommate Dan said, "Hey, I want to be um, in Dinky Town." And I was like, "Man, that's been the cry of my heart for a while. This is great news." And um, my roommate Kevin wanted to be in the city, and, and so we just things just moved um, quick. We found this place, and we just moved in yesterday. And so my um, the vision that yeah, praise the Lord, um, and so so I, as we've been talking, I, I'm part of the Harvest Project. We just started this last week, and um, and we wanna we want to to do outreach that that is um, has longevity that we can um, not just have something to show for the sake of having something to show, but but build relationships and and see fruit um, that lasts, and and so that's like that's the greater vision of of what we as uh, Communitas, as the Harvest Project, as Lydia House want um, to do, and, and as we have um, this assignment to go out. Um, and so for me, I, I just have a feeling I, that I'm going to be a part of something. We have sisters back here, at least I know for sure that I've seen that that have been, uh, that are part of a community that's been in Dinky Town for a while, that has been um, living life and together intentionally and has seen fruit. And I, I just have that feeling that, that God is doing something good. We were there yesterday. Kids were moving in. And, and not only was I excited, but I was also burdened. Like Jesus, he said he saw these people and he was moved with compassion because um, they were they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so um, just even yesterday, I got to meet a girl 
um, at the, the rental place that I was at and she was wearing a cross and I got to ask her and she had, she had fallen away from the Lord and she was, she was convicted that, that I would just even ask her about it. And, and, but she felt loved. I, um, didn't have a chance to pray for her. She was getting internet, but she, she was just very, very moved by her time. And so my, my hope, um, in terms of outreach has been that, um, I've been praying about what it looks like practically, but to, to establish um, relationships with people and, and build something that's um, that's long-lasting. I really feel um, God's heart for um, bringing people into community. Um, that's something I feel like is a, the mandate on my life is to bring people into communion with God by bringing them into community with others. And so they, uh, some of our sisters back here from the 705 house, um, the houses, they, man, they, they've been living in community with each other and, uh, I just want to bring people in to those communities um, and build it up. And so that's, that's what I'm looking to do this year. In the rest of my life. <laughs> so he mentioned Kevin. Kevin, come up here. And uh, Dan. Michael. Okay, any others? I want you to come up. I want us to pray with you. And, and here's the deal now. You hear this, and you may say in your heart, that's not what I feel called to. But there may be a bell that goes off inside of you and you're saying, that's it. If you're saying that's it, I want you to come up here. Because what we want to do is form missional groups from like-minded people who have a vision and that will carry them through the year and who knows what they're going to end up with. They may end up with a church. Yeah. It's very possible. This is what the Apostle Paul did. He was strategic and how he went into a city and he, when he left, there was something there that would sustain life when he was gone. They might not be there in 20 years, but what if they started a church? What if they started a Bible study that had life in it? That's what we're praying for. So I'm going to pray for them now. Anybody else feel that and, and feel that that might be a group that you might want to be a part of? We'll pray. We'll include you. Come up and pray. Put your hand forward. Put it on the mic here. You just got Stephen on your team. First and foremost, I'd like to speak a word over you guys. I've just been really felt led to say to you, Brandon, anyway. The Lord is going to really use you guys. The, the joy of the Lord is going to shine into the U of M. Okay? We're talking about a fun house here. We've been talking about this for a while. It's going to be cool to come there instead of going to something random that could destroy their life. So just continue to have the joy of the Lord poured into you, and He is going to pour it out on them, and you, it's going to be overwhelmingly fun. So, uh, Lord of the Harvest... There are those who have been crying out to you, Lord. Parents, concerned parents, concerned grandparents, concerned foster parents, and adoption parents, Lord, who are trusting in you to send their children into the nations, and that the United or that the U of M is actually developing that, Lord. That you are bringing people from all over the world there to gather together and, and to be the enlightened ones, kind of like. When, uh, when Nebuchadnezzar was doing his thing and he had the enlightened ones around. Well, uh, whether they were of the Israelite tribe or not, they were all gathered together as the enlightened ones. So these ones here who are enlightened with your knowledge, Lord, with your knowledge, 
with your infinite wisdom, we pray that they will uh, have more stamina than the others, that they will be able to endure the longest nights, and that they will be able to stand alongside other ministries in the U of M, partnering with you, Holy Spirit, to bring your power, to bring your conviction, to bring your love and your redemption, your reconciliation through these young men. And Jesus, we are believing that you are going to do this. You are going to transform Dinkytown with, with one small group doing majorly big things. Thank you, Jesus. And we praise your mighty name. Lord, we also ask that your blood, your blood is redeeming. And, uh, and you pass over. Anything that is wicked has to pass over. It can't do anything. So we, add, we plead the blood of Jesus over that address. Can you state the address? 612 10th Avenue Southeast. So, Lord, we are pleading your blood over that address. Um, that every threshold that, that is there, no demon can cross it, Lord. Hallelujah. Once they step through, Lord, then all evil is cast out. Praise you, Jesus. Lord, we, we ask for one accord in the home that their, that their life song will play together. And we bless your name, Father, through Christ. Thank you, Lord. Okay, amen. Amen. We expect things to happen, right? We expect a harvest there. As they build relationships, as they show love, as they uh, come together in unity, the Bible says that when we're united, the world sees something. So in their unity, they were blessed with unity. That's going to be visible. We were up at the Harvest Project, and I asked them if anybody had had a vision yet for what they felt called to. If you don't have a vision, keep praying. God will give it to you. God's been giving a, a heart to Andrew, and I know that uh, Clint has shared that. Clint, if, if you're feeling that, you come with him. But, Andrew, you share what God has put on your heart. Yeah, so uh, just it actually just happened out of a couple of prayer meetings, uh, one here uh, and then one up north. Uh, but we were just praying, and I just began to feel like God's heart and just a groaning in the spirit just for Somali Muslims. And um, uh, I don't know if I don't know a whole lot about Somalis, but uh, I do know that uh, the majority of them, uh, I think there's. I think there's more than 50,000 here, but 60,000, and the majority of them have never been shared the gospel before. They have no idea, really, of, they know about Jesus, uh, but they don't know uh, of him as someone who came to them in love and came and died for them. They believe that Jesus uh, was taken off of the cross and someone was put there uh, in exchange for him. Uh, so I just feel just to kind of pray it out. And if anyone else uh, has, uh, God gives that burden just to connect. Um, but, yeah. So here's what we're hoping for. If God puts that burden, then you'll join in a team with Andrew. We were we were asking the question, because we have 50 people that signed up for small groups. Well, how are we going to put them together? And... That's when this began, the, the harvest began to take on a central focus in our hearts. And we saw, well, what if, what if we brought groups together strategically 
based on what God had put in their heart as a passion. So if that grows in you over the next couple of weeks, please be praying that God would speak to you. If he doesn't, then that's okay. You can just join a group and start working in the harvest. That doesn't matter. But if he does, if he gives you some people group, that's one way. It may be, I'm, I want to connect more with the Korean people because we already started to do that. And there are 6,000 of them here in Roseville. So I want to I do something with them. If that's a burden for you, then you let us know so that we can connect together. So do any already know that they have a, a concern that's God-bred for Somalis? If you do, come up and uh, join us here as, as we pray. Good. Oh, my. You got, you got yourself a group here, Andrew. Yeah. Good deal. Good deal. Praise God. Wonderful. Anybody want to want to pray? Anyone want to lead in the prayer? Ben. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. I thank you so much for each heart right here, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have put a word inside of each one of them for the people that they're going to meet. I pray that as they go forward, you would open up their eyes in the prophetic realm and the seeing realm, that they would have word of knowledge for people that they're called to speak with, that they'd point out secret things in their hearts, Lord Jesus. Expose their hearts to the light of Jesus. Show your love through them, Father God. May they go forth with your worst, God. May they go forth in a spirit of compassion like Jesus did, Lord. Lord, carry them into the harvest, Lord Jesus, and cause them to be effective soul winners. For Jesus' sake, do it, God. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. I pray especially for Andrew, God, that you would give to him fresh vision in this time, Lord. That you would uh, put a perseverance, Lord. Lord, I pray that he would not back down, Lord, even if he doesn't see the results right away, God. But, Lord Jesus, that you would give him great long-suffering and endurance and patience for a marathon pace, God. Help him to do this, not just for a flash in the pan, but over the long haul. You've called him. You've set him apart for yourself. You've marked him, Father God. You've put your anointing on him, Lord Jesus. Lord, carry him and the rest of this group with the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, do it, God. Hallelujah. Amen. Down through the years, the centuries, God has worked powerfully bringing mighty revival through small groups of young adults who are committed to the harvest. It's history. It's written in the books. And so you look at a small group like this and say, what can they do? You look at history to see what they can do because they can do powerful things. It, we, don't need, we don't need 50 Ten will do just fine. So if, if your heart begins to stir for one of these or one of the other areas, we're not going to take any more tonight, but we're going to show you over the next couple of weeks. If there are others, you let me know what's, what's a burden, what's a concern on your heart, and then we'll, we'll see if there are others that want to join forces with you. Okay. Thank you, guys.
Jesus said, follow me, I will make you. Jesus, would you make us? Go ahead and make us. Make us over these next weeks. Make us the fishers of men that we want to be, that we aren't. Make us more like you. As we pray, Lord, I pray that we'll take on more of your character and less of ours. More of your love, less of our feelings of shame. More of your compassion. More of your willingness to suffer for other people. More of the self-denial that led you to the cross. We want to take up our cross, Lord Jesus. We're following you right into the harvest. We're not doing this so we have another program so we can say we're doing the harvest. We're doing this increasingly because we're, we're being moved by what you're doing in our heart. And so continue to move on us, purify our motives, enable us to do what you call us to do. For those that are not yet in the kingdom, we pray in the name of Jesus. So, so uh, like Bob said, we turn this into a, a prayer room. And what I'm going to ask you to do is turn to someone near you, next to you perhaps, and uh, pray this home, however you want to do it. You can do it for 30 seconds. You can do it for five minutes, whatever you want to do. But it would be good if you could just take a moment now before we break just to turn with somebody close to you and pray it. Pray at home. Pray the motivation. Pray the, the heart of Jesus. Whatever you want to do. Okay, go ahead now and turn. <laughs>